welcome to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolkoff. Yeah, we're back. It's week one is in the bag. We got an exciting week two on the horizon. You're listening to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Wilcock. I think we got one of the best shows yet lined up for you, folks. We're going to have co-host of DFS Shark Tank, Warren Kiesling, on the show for some buy or sell later on. I got a brand new start sitting, Seth. I'm going to throw at you. And we got a new segment in the scope coming at you today. Such a crazy week in the NFL. So much to get to. So much to wrap our brains around. But first, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Villa 2 and Philadelphia Square, both here in Indiana. I'd also like to take this time to thank the man who creates all the music for us here at the In Between. That's Nate Miller, aka his artist name is Ism. You can follow Nate and his music on Instagram at Crazy Nates. That's spelled C R A Z Y. N8S. Again, that's Crazy Nates on Instagram at C R A Z Y N 8S. Start, sit, and Seth. I want to start with this, folks. Start, sit, and Seth, volume three. It's up on the pen.org, as always. You can check it out. This week, I highlight a story. That makes it question fade a little bit. I'm not really sure where I stand on it. I'm not really sure where anyone else stands on it. Uh, drop me a DM on your thoughts on fate. Would definitely appreciate that if you got some time. <laughs> this story highlights a breakfast I had with a professor, a mentor of mine, Dr. Eric Lauber. Shout out to him. Uh, and after it, you know, I really felt inspired to pursue my niches. And I think one of my niches is this: it's fantasy football content. It's fantasy football writing podcasting, doing all these things I love, even though maybe I don't have the best skills at it yet, we're growing. And I appreciate anyone out there who's growing with me through these early growing pains. But following that meeting, I, I kind of dove you know, in the depths of the Google searches, trying to look for a place to contribute to, to write freaking fantasy football. And you wouldn't believe how hard it was. Applied to so many places, uh, everywhere from you know, the fantasy footballers down to ones I've never even heard of. Uh, so it was like 2.30 a.m. one night, about to go to sleep, just scrolling through Google searches, looking for somewhere to f- go, and I come across a Reddit thread from about three years ago, and it led me to DM an individual named Ronnie A. Evans. Follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. And Ronnie introduced me to a couple gentlemen who worked for the site, Dynasty Football Factory. I'm not sure if you ever heard of Dynasty Football Factory, though, but if you haven't, make sure you check that out at DynastyFootballFactory.com. So after starting to get to know some of these individuals, I went through an interview process. Uh, they thought I'd be a great fit. About a week later, I was in a phone interview with MG, the site's founder and CEO. had an amazing conversation with MG, and everything just really seemed to fit well. So I'm super excited to announce I am now working as a writer and a editor for Dynasty Football Factory in the redraft department. Super excited about that. You guys know 
pretty much majority going to talk about redraft. That's kind of where my specialty lies. Definitely would like to you know branch out in the future here, but for now we're gonna keep it redraft. That's how we do it. But shout out to those guys at DFF. Super excited to get to work with all of them. It's like 80 guys who just know probably even more about fantasy football than I do. They got some great podcasts over there. Uh, just so many great different departments. If you like Devi, if you like DFS, IDP, whatever you're into, Dynasty, of course, they have it. Check them out. Dynasty Football Factory. And don't worry. Don't Don't worry. I'm not leaving the pen just yet. This is my last it's my last hurrah before I ride out in the sunset. So I'm excited. So my whole point here is whether it was just fate that you drafted Tyreek Hill, Darius Geis, Antonio Brown, Melvin Gordon, you know, people who have either gone down because of injury or off the field situations, or if it was your own free will. It doesn't matter at this point. You're playing freaking fantasy football. Like MG said, it's the dungeons and dragons of adulthood it's awesome i'm so excited to be back and just keep grinding out there keep grinding the worst thing you can do is nothing so like nike just do it and let's get to it like to start out with this as well if you have any feedback for me moving forward if you're not into the gary allen after every sit just let me know he's sitting out there watching airplanes so But if you're not into that, let me know. I would definitely take any feedback. Appreciate the love, guys. Let's get into it. For a quarterback, I would start this week. He's a bad man. Woo! This brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something. Look no further than the Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff. I know what you're thinking. If you're a Goff owner, you're probably a little hesitant to play him. After week one, he only had 186 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He was held under 10 points for something you don't see much from Jared Goff. And he had 39 attempts, so it doesn't look good, doesn't look pretty. But I think he bounces back here in week two against a Saints team in a game that Vegas has tied for the highest over-under of the week, 53. I don't think there's any way I don't start Goff here if I own him. Because let's look back at 2018 even for example. Goff only threw for under 200 yards once while playing a whole game. He didn't play all week 17. I'm throwing that out the window. It doesn't mean anything. Week 14 against the Bears without Cooper Cup, he threw for under 200. What did he do the next week? He bounced back against Philadelphia, a good defense, and threw for more than 300. So I'm all in on Jared Goff this week. I think if you have him, you've got to fire him up. On the other side of the spectrum, a quarterback I'd sit this week. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. Kirk Cousins. I know he only had 10 pass attempts last week, and that's probably not going to happen again, especially a game against the Packers. But here's the thing. I think the Packers' defense is better than people were thinking so far. It's at Lambeau Field, and we know, and we know, we've talked about this on this podcast already. Kevin Stefanski the offensive coordinator there in his first full season in Minnesota, he wants to run the ball. We saw Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison be effective last week. I think if they can continue to run it, I don't think Kirk Cousins has too much upside here. I know not everyone's 
you know, dashing to play Kirk Cousins this week. I know he's not really rostered in that many percentage of leagues, but if you're looking for a streamer, try Andy Dalton against the Niners, Derek Carr against the Chiefs. He's going to be trailing. Andy Dalton's going to be putting up some points, so look there instead. I don't think you burn a roster spot on Kirk Cousins. So, in the running back department, I used to play running back. I'm starting to Duke Johnson. The Duke of Lansbury or Elise Houston. I think the Duke has been one of the most underrated players for a couple years now. I love him. Everyone in my league loves him. I hope we got some Duke Johnson love out there as well. But specifically for this week, why I'm playing Duke Johnson, let alone my love for him, is he's playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Patrick Mahomes last week lit them up, set his first half passing yards record against them. This is not the same Jacksonville defense it was a couple seasons ago, folks. We know that. They're hurting. And yes, Deshaun is not Patrick Mahomes. But he might be the best next thing. If he's not, let me know who you think is. I think Deshaun Watson is special. And I think if he can continue to find Johnson when he's scrambling out of the pocket, because we know the Texans struggle at offensive line. I like Duke here in week two against a weak defense for Jacksonville this season. So running back, I'd sit this week. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. So I'll be honest, this one could totally nip me in the butt. It could, but I just don't think this week playing in Denver that David Montgomery, the rookie running back for the Chicago Bears, is going to have a good game worth starting here in week two. Let's face it, folks. Denver is a harder place to play than anywhere, especially if you're a running back coming in to your rookie season. It's hard to breathe. We've seen people not even be able to play because it's been in Denver. Shout out to my boy Ryan Clark. Yeah. But anyways, last week Montgomery saw only 38% of the backfield snaps and the Bears lost. So I do think that's going to go up, but I don't trust him in my lineup at this point yet. I think he's a middle-of-the-road flex play in standard 10-team PPR leagues, but it's going to be tough for me to expect a lot out of Montgomery this week. I'd leave him on the bench. A wide receiver I'd start this week. Josh Gordon from the New England Patriots. <sighs> yeah, so the Patriots are probably going to go 16-0. Everyone's going to be super pissed off. No, I'm just kidding. I don't think they will. But I think the Patriots are going to be pretty awesome this season. I don't even want to get into the A-B situation. That's for another podcast. We're not going to discuss that here. But I didn't like him coming into the season. That's all I'll say. But I think you have to start Josh Gordon. I think you have to start just about any New England Patriots you have on your team this week. The Miami Dolphins are probably the worst team in the NFL. And it's not even close. Like, they suck. They suck bad. Like, they suck so bad that players wanted to get traded after last week. Lamar Jackson, who had, I believe, six t- passing TDs on the whole year, had five in week one. I think Lamar Jackson's sweet. I'll talk about that later, too. Lamar Jackson's awesome. But I think this Dolphins team is awful. And I think when you're playing against them here, Josh Gordon last week against the Steelers, he just looked like a freaking man, a man among boys. And, you know, I know it wasn't overwhelming. He only had three receptions, but they were some sweet three receptions and I think Tom Brady sees that he's going to continue to get him involved uh I'm starting Josh Gordon this week so wide receiver I'd sit this week I'm just 
Christian Kirk of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, so Kirk had 12 targets last week. That's encouraging, but he only managed four receptions for 32 yards. That was actually only good enough to be the fourth leading receiver in Arizona last week. So I'm not really buying into the whole Christian Kirk thing. He was one I talked to earlier in the season with with Chris and Tom about. While I, I thought he could maybe separate himself from the other receivers, Larry Fitz looks rejuvenated. I really like the rookie Keyshawn Johnson. I think you need to keep an eye on him, especially in some deeper leagues. I talked about that last week as well. In a game where Kyler Murray is playing in Baltimore against a great Ravens defense, I think he's going to, going to struggle, and I think he's going to look for that guy who caught a majority of the passes he threw last week. So I don't love the reception percentage for Christian Kirk last week, and I'm not buying it here in week two. Maybe I'm wrong on this one, but I'm benching Christian Kirk this week. And that's going to do it for Start Sitting Seth, Warren Kiesling from the DFF Shark Tank podcast. He's going to be joining us next for some buy or sell. Stay with us. Listen, IEP students, are you tired of the same old pizza in Indiana every week? Well, hey, I got you covered. There's a new place on Philadelphia Street in Indiana, Villa 2. They have this homemade sweet thin crust. It's different. It's nothing like I've ever tried in Indiana before. Definitely give them a check out. That's Villa 2 Pizza on Philadelphia Street in Indiana. And welcome back to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined today by Warren Kiesling, the co-host of DFS Shark Tank and a DFS writer and editor at Dynasty Football Factory. You can follow Warren on Twitter at RotoCoach. Warren, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic, Seth. we got a week in the books and another one coming up, and we're, football season is full-blown. I mean, what's better than that? Oh, nothing better than that at all. Uh, it's kind of been a crazy week one, definitely one for the books that I remember. So what do you say we jump on into some buy or sell here? Yeah, sounds great. All right, I want to start in Kansas City with the top scorer in PPR formats. That was Sammy Watkins. He goes for nine receptions, 198 yards, and three TDs in this one. We also saw, unfortunately, Tyreek Hill go down with a clavicle injury. He's expected to miss some time uh, with that. He, there's even reports about him possibly going on the IR for a couple weeks uh, are you buying Sammy Watkins being the guy in Kansas City? And if that's the case, what can we expect from him moving forward here in PPR formats, Warren? I think with what we've currently got in Kansas City and what this looks like for Sammy Watkins, he is probably going to be a top 20 wide receiver as long as there is no Tyreek Hill. I mean, I think with the journeyman sort of thing that Sammy Watkins has had going on in recent years. You know, he started in Buffalo, then to the Rams, and he was was sort of a, a piece in, in L.A. rather than a focus. Same thing for the Chiefs, but he's now been there. This is year number two. People forget how good Sammy Watkins is when he's actually healthy. I mean, he came in and dominated early on as a rookie in, in his career with, with kind of suspect quarterback play for the most part um, and was really, really good. So I just think he is a he's easily a top twenty wide receiver with no Tyree kill around as long as as Pat Mahomes is under center. I mean the Chiefs are gonna keep doing 
what the Chiefs do. They didn't miss a beat when Hill went out, and you know, even we found out later Mahomes was playing kind of kind of banged up in that game. So I'm I'm 100% buying Sammy Watkins right now. And uh, you know, we know McCole Hardman, the rookie there, he might factor in a little bit as well as some other factors, maybe some more uh, involvement for Damian Williams, Travis Kelsey moving along. If Sammy Watkins, if you're a Sammy Watkins owner in a redraft league, are you selling high on Watkins or do you keep him and play him these next couple weeks without Hill? Yeah, so I think the Hardman thing's going to be interesting this week because it's difficult to know if they had that game pretty much in control, whether they were giving him run and snaps just to get him experience, knowing that they might need to use him, or if they really think that they can just slide him into Hill's role uh, and and go from there. If I own Sammy Watkins, I'm hanging on to him, and I'm a firm believer that uh, the way you make the playoffs is to rack up wins whenever you can rack up wins. I mean, we're not week five or six where you're staring at your record, and you know you might be four and two or five or one and, and, and feeling pretty good about your team. We're only one week one week in, and chances are good if you own Sammy Watkins, you won this week. So you're one and zero. You know you're getting a fantastic matchup with the Raiders next week. There's some good matchups. I mean, I think the the Chiefs' first four or five games, I think they only face one legit defense. So I, I'm certainly going to ride Sammy Watkins as long as he's the number one wide receiver in Kansas City. All right. Speaking of some number one position players here, let's go to Carolina. Christian McCaffrey. He leads all running backs with 42.9 points on the day. This is really no surprise. He probably went in your draft top three, maybe the first overall pick if you had some smart owners out there. And uh, But trailing him was actually a surprising running back. It was Austin Eckler, the newly appointed starter of the Los Angeles Chargers. He racked up 39.9 PPR points on the day, 12 carries, 58 yards, and a TD, adding 96 yards, six receptions, and two touchdowns through the air. Warren, are you buying this type of production from Austin Eckler moving forward here? I, I don't think we're going to see this again. I mean, I think, look, I think Austin Eckler is a good player. I think that there are certainly, he's certainly a valuable player. I think he's a top 20 running back for the rest of the season. I don't think he's a top five, six, seven running back for the rest of the season. I think they don't want to use him to the extent that they had to use him this week. It was game script that necessitated it with the Colts. I think that what they're going to try to do is mix, mix Justin Jackson in a lot more than they did uh, this past week. I think it was more, you know, Indy showed up and, and put points on the board, and I don't think anyone was really, uh, you know, ready for that. We thought Jacoby Brissett was capable, but I'm not sure we thought he was that capable right off the bat. Uh, but also, you know, the, the, the untold story of that game is the Colts offensive line. I mean, they mashed uh, all afternoon long, and that, that really led to keeping the Colts in the ball game. Um, which made getting the ball to Eckler, who really is the the exciting offensive weapon or the more explosive offensive weapon there for the Chargers, y- you got to keep him in the ball game and keep him going. Justin Jackson is the guy they want grinding between the tackles. And you know, if you if you were game scripting out this game, the thought was Eckler plays early, they get a lead, and then Jackson plays late, and that never materialized with this game going to overtime. So if you're an Eckler owner moving forward. Are you worried at all of a possible Melvin Gordon return? And does that prompt you to maybe sell high on Eckler here after the first couple weeks? Or are you riding him this season? Yeah, I think he's going to be a tough call. Because if if the rumors that we're hearing that Gordon's going to come back between week six and week eight, and he kind of needs to do that in order to get his, his service time in, 
I think it's going to hurt Eckler's uh, Eckler's value for sure. I mean, the only flip side to that is maybe the Chargers are fed up. I mean, if if this backfield is working for them, they may just sit Melvin Gordon on the bench. I mean, I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but they might just roll with Eckler um, and Justin Jackson if if things are going well. And you know, it might get uglier. It might turn into sort of this three way timeshare, which is um, would be brutal, and I don't think any of us want to see. So. I am. I, I'm going to roll with Eckler for probably a few weeks. But I look. If you've got a an, an owner who wants to buy him at, you know, where Austin Eckler is currently valued, then sure, I think you sell him. But I I think that anyone who's looking ahead is saying this is five, six, seven weeks from you know being a total disaster that I then need to figure out. Moving forward here. We have a young slew of wide receivers who kind of broke out over the weekend. John Ross goes to Seattle, 35.3 points. I don't think anyone expected that out of the third-year wideout. Marquise Hollywood-Brown breaks out in his first season with the Ravens, 31.2 points for Brown there. Uh, DJ Shark, the second-year wideout, he caught that touchdown from Nick Foles as he went out of the game. He had 24.6 points. And Terry McLaurin, uh, a little surprise out of Washington, maybe a post-draft hype sleeper. Uh, people were talking him up a little bit. He had 24 points on the day. If you have one of the top waiver claims in your redraft league, Warren, are you buying in on any of these breakout wide receivers? So I'm not buying John Ross. Uh, I, I think that's a blip. We know AJ Green is going to come back. We know Tyler Boyd is the guy they want to get the football to. I, I think it's more an indictment of the Seattle secondary, which is living off reputation alone at this point. I, I'm not buying John Ross at all. I think he's a talented kid. I think it is only a matter of time until he gets hurt again. I mean, he's missed so much time already in in two years in the pros. He just can't seem to stay healthy. And I want to see him play for four, five, six weeks straight and actually be productive before I believe that that this is for real. Um, the other the other interesting guy there that I think is I'm quite ready to buy yet is Marquise Brown. Again, you know, terrible, terrible secondary. I mean, if you watch the the game film on the coverage uh, that he was seeing, he was just running by guys. It was like you were watching the Dolphins and and you couldn't figure out what they were even trying to do. Right. Uh, and they were, I mean, Lamar Jackson made good throws, but but Brown was wide open um, on those touchdowns. So I I just don't think I don't think a you know you get the matchup that you get with Miami every week, uh, which is is one piece of this too. He he did not play a ton of snaps. I right. I I think he played. Is eleven sound right? I think he played like eleven snaps. I was gonna say somewhere like between that. eleven and fourteen. I thought I yeah heard, yeah yeah. And so I, it's tough to buy into a rookie who who basically is just living off speed. If they're only going to get you know fifteen snaps in a week in an offense that doesn't have to score that much because the defense is so good. I mean, I think he did exactly what you're going to see him do i think he's going to be their deep ball specialist but i I just don't buy that you're going to be able to plug him into your lineup each week uh and feel good about it uh the two guys i'm most interested in on that list are mclaren and chark um chark is a guy that that i'm kind of a was kind of a believer in with Foles under center now that they have an actual quarterback he looked good at the end of last year he's a big talented kid uh, you know, you saw him make plays this week. I think it actually might help that uh, Gardner Minshew is going to be the the starting quarterback because there may be a little bit more rapport there. 
um, from those guys in camp because I don't, they really move the wide receivers all over the place right. um, throughout training camp. So, so maybe that works out. But uh, I, I actually kind of like uh, Chark as, as a season-long investment. I own him in some best balls and, and in some dynasty stuff. So he's a guy that I like. And then McLaurin, I just think the, the Redskins are so bad. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on in the first half of that game. I mean, I was watching it, and it looked like the Eagles uh, just forgot to play. Um, I, that's actually the game I had on in the background cause I, I live in that area, um, before I started flipping around and, you know, you look up and the, the Redskins are up 17 to nothing to open that game. That's not going to be the case week in and week out. I mean, that team will be lucky if they win five games. Right. And so I think game script is always going to favor McLaurin. And I think he's going to wind up being their number one wide, wide receiver. I mean, they chose to go the route of just playing these kids. It's him. It's Trey Quinn. Um, they're playing Geis, who you know now here he's going to miss some time. But uh, you know they they opted to just roll with with rookies and second year guys, and that's what they're going to do. They cut Doxson, they they cut bait on guys that they think um, aren't part of the future, and I think they're going to let these guys sort it out and and play it out uh, and just get the snaps now. And and you know I expect Case Keenum to be throwing from behind a lot, and it seems like he's got a rapport with McLaurin, so he's I think. If in a redraft format, he may actually be the most interesting one. Absolutely, my my one the one point I struggle with McLaurin down the road is you know what if Washington's losing games, uh, they make the move to Dwayne Haskins, the rookie there. I don't know. I think that could hurt McLaurin's uh, value moving forward, just because. I mean, let's face it, Warren. We've seen Case Keenum have some productive wide receivers in his time going back to Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen in their breakout years. And even Emmanuel San- Sanders last season was a top 12 wide receiver before he got hurt. So th- that is my only concern with McLaurin is if, if they move off Case Keenum there. Yeah, and I think that's a real concern. I mean, if you're looking for the, the anti-argument to that, he's got Haskins familiarity. They were at Ohio State together. He's an Ohio State product. Granted, didn't see the field, I think, as, as much as, as maybe you would have expected. But they're usually pretty deep there with the Buckeyes at the the wide out position. And sometimes those guys pan out and sometimes they don't, but he and Haskins played together last year. So right. I do feel like, like there's a little bit of a connection there. And uh, even if Haskins is really bad, that may be the direction that he looks. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I also just want to touch on John Ross before we move on. I, I see what you're saying about John Ross, the injury concerns, everything you're saying makes complete sense to me. But what if there's a small part of me that says, what if this guy was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft? Like we know he has talent, uh, you know, and when he got picked, it wasn't like people were coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, that was a really bad pick by the Bengals there. I believe it was nine. Uh, Everyone kind of agreed that he had that type of talent. But what if Zach Taylor is this type of, you know, wide receiver whisper? We saw it in Robert Woods. When he went there, he, uh, he was in Buffalo before he went to the Rams, and he produced for the Rams. He's produced for the Rams since then, and that was all, you know, a lot of people want to credit Sean McVay in that system, but I think you have to look at Zach Taylor a little bit in his history there. So do you buy in on at all that Zach Taylor could maybe have something going on here with John Ross and that even maybe when A.J. Green comes back, it's a pass-the-torch type of year in Cincinnati? Yeah, I, 
look, I think that's a good point. I think if you've got room to stash a guy like like John Ross, it's not a bad move. I mean, the the talent has never been the issue with that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he couldn't stay healthy at Washington, and he hasn't been able to stay healthy since he got to Cincinnati two seasons ago. And so that that for me is the big concern because if we look up, you know, AJ Green comes back, and then you know the next week John Ross gets hurt, and suddenly you've you've wasted bench space that you could have grabbed one of these other guys who look like their role may be a little bit more solidified five, six weeks down the road. Uh, that would, that would be my only caution there. But yeah, I think if you've got the space for a John Ross, I don't, I don't mind taking a, a you know, taking a shot on him because the, the talent's certainly there. Absolutely. So uh, going to Hollywood Brown and his Ravens, they kind of just dismantled this JV almost like dolphin squad this weekend, winning 59 to 10, Everyone from Lamar Jackson, the receivers, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, everyone kind of broke out this week. We saw well-exceeding projections this week. Are you buying Ravens as this offensive juggernaut of the season, maybe like a Chiefs from 2018-type team? Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying that. I, I don't think that we're going to wind up there. I want to see them do it against other teams first. I, I want to see what we've got. I just think there were too there were too many pieces there that seemed very very dependent on what the Dolphins are doing, uh, and if you remember back to last season, the Ravens did the same thing in Week One. I mean, they they wound up facing I think Nathan Peterman started at quarterback for the Bills. Does that sound right? But they right. smashed the Bills at home, um, you know, by forty points. But it wasn't necessarily indicative of of everything that was to come for the next you know sixteen weeks. So. I want to see it against some real teams before I start buying into it. I just, the Dolphins are, are atrocious. Uh, and, and so <laughs> I think that's going to be where it is going to be an, an every week uh, saga to just see what happens with whoever Miami plays. Uh, and they get the Patriots this week. So, you know. Yeah, Antonio knows? Brown comes to town. So that will definitely be a fun one as well. Uh, just one more thing on Lamar Jackson. I thought it was a funny note here. He had five touchdowns yesterday. He only had six passing touchdowns all of 2018. We know he came in late for Joe Flacco in the season, but people are really digging him right now, I think, because we were so worried that while his rushing keeps his floor up, that that was what he was going to, to depend on. But against the Dolphins didn't seem to be the case. But again, that's kind of a JV squad. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see with the Ravens there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I, it's, this is going to be a topic of conversation on, on DFS Shark Tank this week because you know we obviously take a one-week look at, at the slate and the games and the players and everything else. And we were all high on Lamar Jackson uh, this week. We all liked him on, on various sites at various different price points. And, and you know we're recommending that, that he was kind of a plug-and-play against Miami. And I was thinking about this today, and I was like, you know, if – if I told you Lamar Jackson was going to run three times for six yards and Mark Ingram was going to have 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns, there's no way you would have played Lamar Jackson no. this past week. Like you, would, you would have skipped right over him if you knew that those two things were true. I mean, nobody saw this coming, but you know, this is what happens. Guy, you know, guys get better, and, and you know, we saw that with Mahomes. I mean, maybe we're going to see the same thing from Lamar Jackson. It's going to be interesting to see, but I want to see some real teams first before I, I start anointing this guy. Certainly. So while, you know, there were these big winners on the weekends, the Ravens, everyone we've touched on so far, there were also some losers. Let's jump into that real quick. So there were some running backs who kind of carried a heavy price tag on draft day. Sony Michelle came out against the Steelers on Sunday night, did not look good. 1.4 points for him on the ground. 
no involvement in the passing game whatsoever. Carry on Johnson, a guy who uh, there was a lot of hype on carry on coming into the season, especially after they cut Theo Riddick there. Only 8.2 points against what seemed to be a susceptible Arizona Cardinals defense. And then Devontae Freeman, old Devontae there, comes out, drops 4.1 points. Uh, in a game where people expected the Falcons to be a little more competitive, granted maybe it was just an off day for that squad, but are, do you buy low on any of these panicked owners of any of these running backs here? Yeah, I, I, so I make a habit of trying not to buy Patriots running backs because I have no idea what, what Belichick is thinking at right. the time. I mean, I, look, at, there's every reason to believe that Sony Michelle in the second half of the season is what Sony Michelle was in the second half of last season. Right. The Patriots looked amazing. Um, you know, I, there's every reason to believe that, but still, I, th- I think. I think you're still going to have to pay for Sony Michelle because of the name. And so I, he's probably not a guy I go hunting at this point. If somebody wants to sell low on Devonte Freeman, I'm probably pretty interested in that. Um, the Vikings looked really good on defense yesterday. That Atlanta offensive line is, is the only thing that really gives me concerns with Freeman. Um, and I want to see them get back home and, and see what they look like, uh, this coming week. But, uh, you know, Freeman, I, it, Freeman has that job. There's no threat. There isn't a. There's Ito Smith, but Ito Smith is not what Tevin Coleman was when Tevin Coleman was there. No, Brian, so no worry for you. No, no. I I think that they're. I think they're going to ride Freeman. I mean, I think the the Freeman train is is what they have, and that's that's what they're going to go with. I think he's going to get 15 to 20 or more touches every single week, uh, as long as the game script supports it. The problem was they couldn't keep. Vikings defenders out of the backfield at all yesterday. Matt Ryan was running for his life all afternoon. And if that's the case, you know, then Freeman touches are going to be tough to come by. But I, I just believe in from a talent standpoint and from an opportunity standpoint in that offense with the weapons that are around him, I just, I think things will open up and, and he will be fine. Uh, the guy that's you know, the guy in the middle there is carry on Johnson, right? Right. Uh, super hyped. Coming into the season, I mean, the hype train was out of control this summer, <laughs> yeah. especially once they once they cut Theo Riddick. Um, you know, I'd, my co-host on on DFS Shark Tank, Michael Lever, brought this up this week. Neither one of us were on him against Arizona, and mostly it was game script, and that kind of played out. But uh, you know, he brought up the fact that we we've all talked about carrying on Johnson all summer and how good he looks and how he's going to be involved in the offense and do this, that, and the other thing. The guy's never had 100 yards and a touchdown in a game. Like, it's never happened for him and since he came into the league. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about him. My sense is people are chalking, people who own on Johnson are chalking this up to one week. But if you see this two, three, four weeks down the line, people might get scared and sell. Um, and, and look, I believe in the talent for on Johnson. And sometimes, you know, I think when we get to the mid midway point in the season, talent starts to win out. I mean, that's just always kind of the way that I look at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think the Lions are so bad that they will hamstring his potential production. I think Matt Patricia wants to run the football. I think that's ideally what they'd like to do. And I think they were in a good position to do it until Kyler Murray started getting things going this weekend. And I think that if they had been able to hang on to that lead, you would have seen more carry on Johnson. So he's probably a guy that, I'm willing to buy on if somebody's giving a, giving me a discount. Yeah, it was kind of a weird game, I felt like, all around for Detroit. 
uh, Danny Amendola came out, kind of the big winner of the night. So that that kind of tells you everything you need to know. So moving on here, Warren, we'll get you out on this. Kind of a weird day for Todd Gurley as well. He only had 14 carries for 97 yards. He looked fresh in the fourth quarter if that was their game plan. But we heard going into this all week, he wasn't going to be on a snap count. Uh, no pitch count, if you would say that. And here Malcolm Brown comes out. He has 11 carries on 53 yards two TDs. I know one of those TDs was kind of one. They got a turnover right there in the red zone. Malcolm Brown got the rock. He put it in. It was, you know, done and over with it within a matter of seconds. But are you buying in on Malcolm Brown and or are you selling on Todd Gurley this season moving forward? Uh, This may be, I mean, I have a a handful of guys that I'm super concerned about for week one and Todd Gurley's near the top of that list. Um, I just don't like what the dynamic looks like at this point. You know, you see Malcolm Brown get in the end zone twice and get red zone carries. I mean, the whole case for Todd Gurley and and drafting Todd Gurley high for this season was that surely he would get the red zone carries, right? Like he he had 21 touchdowns last year. You know, if they're going to peel him back from 25 touches a game down to 18 or 20 touches a game, then you know, you're going to get a 20% reduction in fantasy production. And, it, you know, it's not a direct translation, but certainly like you could live with Todd Gurley at 20, you know, 80% of what you got last year if you were getting him in the second round. Uh, Malcolm Brown vulturing touchdowns is terrifying to me. And, you know, even Darrell Henderson got a red zone touch, I'm pretty sure, um, or a touch inside the five, I think. But that whole dynamic is is I think very, very worrisome because if they're going to turn, you know, if you think back to a few seasons ago, I, I always think about the the running back that you don't want to own in fantasy as being uh, the uh, Amir Abdullah model, which was in Detroit where he basically got the ball between the twenties and then didn't touch it anywhere else. Like he wasn't the passing downs back. He was the guy that ran the ball from his 20 to the opponent's 20. And then they would insert guys like Theo Riddick and they had Dwayne Washington for a while. And I forget who else was running around there off the top of my head, but it, it was like a nothing burger role for a running back where you're just getting the midfield carries. I was a little encouraged by the late game carries where they had him, you know, they had the lead and he did rip off some chunks. And so maybe he just needed to get going. I mean, remember he didn't play at all in the preseason. So that, that may be part of it, but I'm going to be keeping a close eye on what what happens with Todd Gurley in the red zone for the next couple of weeks because I don't want to overreact to this, but it's it's certainly concerning based off what we saw yesterday. So based off what we saw yesterday, Warren, are you if you have one of those top waiver claims out there in your league, you have a excessive amount of fab dollars if you're in one of those type of leagues as well. Are you buying Malcolm Brown as your top waiver claim over some of those other guys that we talked about, Hollywood Brown? John Ross, the Terry McLaurins of the world? Uh, I, I mean, based on what we saw yesterday, yeah, I, I just think wide receivers so much deeper. I mean, I, I think Malcolm Brown and redraft, if you're in a, a, a even a 10-team league, I think, but certainly in a 12-team league, I think he needs to be owned at this point. I just, I think we have to, you, you have to squirrel him away and wait and see what we get out of this Rams offense. So, He's a guy I'd certainly be at if he's floating around there on the, the waiver wire and available, especially if I own Todd Gurley. Like you said, we'll have to keep a close eye on this because you know as well as I know, Warren, anything Sean McVay normally says about Todd Gurley, you, can't, you always kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. So 
it will definitely be interesting to see how that plays out in L.A. for those guys. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Warren. You can follow him at Rotocoach on Twitter. Any last words for our listeners here on The In-Between, Warren? Uh, not really. I mean, I'll give a plug to if you play DFS. We have DFS Shark Tank. You could find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. It should be up on iHeartRadio uh, this week as well. But download and listen. We'd love to have you join us. Um, we're put together this new show this year, and it's been going pretty well. And, and we're looking forward to, to keeping it going for the rest of the season. We've got a couple of great co-hosts, and uh, you know, I think we do a pretty good job and pretty comprehensive uh, every single week. And then just, I appreciate you having me on Seth. This was, this was a lot of fun. Um, really appreciate the time and the opportunity to, to join you today. Absolutely. That was Warren Kiesling with buy or sell. We'll be right back with some in the scope after the break. Stay with us. IUP students. We're all about helping out this week. I got a great place for you to check out this rental season Uh, That's Philadelphia Square Apartments, guys. Uh, They believe in the success of a good night's sleep. You can go to sleep in your full-size bed, wake up, cook yourself a nice breakfast in your large kitchen, plus you're saving money, you're close to campus, and you're having a good time. Philadelphia Square Apartments, call 724-349-0462 today. That's Philadelphia Square Apartments in Indiana at 724-349-0462 today. Wow, that was a lot of fun. Warren's an awesome guest. We've had some awesome guests all season long. Can't wait to keep doing this. Thank you to our, all of our guests out there. And let's jump into some In the Scope. In the Scope. So In the Scope is a weekly column of mine. You can find it at DynastyFootballFactory.com. And basically what the whole purpose of this column is to let you know a week in advance of who could be some of the top waiver pickups next week and maybe if you have some room who you should stash this week. These are not players you're going to have to spend a large amount of your fab on or a high waiver claim. These are people you're probably going to pick up off free agency and I called a couple good ones in week one I said Michael Hardman I said Mark Andrews I said Gio Bernard so that was last week you can check that out on the site as well if you please to but let's jump into this week's I want to start in Minnesota with running back Alexander Madison we already touched on Minnesota wanting to run the ball earlier in the show Last week, he had nine carries for 49 yards. And if he didn't fall out of bounds, just a yard shy of the end zone off a 17-yard run, he could be one of those top waiver claims this week. I think because he stayed out of the end zone, you can get him at a cheap price this week if the Dalvin Cook owner does not handcuff him. And I think if he can continue to be effective when he's called upon, he averaged 5.4 yards per carry in week one. I don't think he'll average that much. If he can continue to average a good amount of run on the ground, I think he could have that Latavius Murray role from last season, which is definitely a roster spot in all leagues. Definitely a roster spot. Let's go to Pittsburgh here. I'm going to throw one out to my man, Ryan Switzer. I love this guy. He's an awesome follow on Twitter if you haven't followed him. And I think he's just an awesome dude to have on the team. But 
I finally am excited for the day that Ryan Switzer is fantasy relevant. He is a starting slot receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know after last week, you're probably a little discouraged, but I think it's going to get better. And in week one, Switzer alone was probably the second best receiver out there, if not the best. He had six receptions for 29 yards. Ben goes to Switzer when he needs to get the ball out quick, and Switzer can catch, unlike Dante Moncrief. Just a brutal game for Moncrief, and I think that's why even more I want to target Switzer moving forward. Coming into week two, he's the second leading receiver, and he's going up against a Seattle secondary that Andy Dalton just torched for 418 yards. Switzer could be a potential breakout if all goes well for Big Ben and Co. this weekend. I hope it does for my sanity, and... Let's go, Ryan Switzer. Pick him up while you can. So a couple running backs to throw out at you real quick here. Jamal Williams. He's only owning 10.6% of leagues, and it's a new season in Green Bay. But somehow this backfield feels oh so familiar, especially for those Aaron Jones owners. I have him in a couple leagues. I feel you. Uh, and while Jones is commanding a large amount of the rushes out of the backfield, he had 13 to Williams 5 last week. Williams still saw 41% in the snaps. In a Packers offense where I think it can only go up from here, I like Williams' upside. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire by any means, but I think this guy can catch the ball. He was a league winner in 2017. we got to remember that. He's got some juice, and if something does happen to Aaron Jones, he could be in for a lot of work. But right now, if you own Aaron Jones, you need Jamal Williams on your bench, and... If you want a running back with some potential upside, kind of like how I like Gio Bernard going into last week, I would go with Jamal Williams this week. So quarterback only owned in 4.2% of leagues that I might want, it's Andy Dalton. It's the Red Rifle. We already talked about it. 418 yards last week again in his debut under new head coach Zach Taylor. That is a career high for Dalton. That's pretty impressive, honestly. He's going up against a Niners defense this week that only ha- allowed two interceptions all of 2018. I know there's turnover. I know James Winston threw some bad picks last week, but again, it's James Winston. He throws bad picks. So I think Andy Dalton has a chance to tear it up here this weekend, and three of his next five games are against bottom six pass defenses from week one at least, the Steelers, the Cardinals, the Jags. I think he could be started in all three of those. Maybe if you're in a 10 to 12 team league somewhere in there, maybe you don't want to stash him on your bench you know, for all that time, depending who your starter is. I don't have a lot of good starting quarterbacks, so he's, uh, he's someone I've stashed. And I think he could be a viable streamer those weeks, and he could be a fantasy rock star under Zach Taylor. But if one thing is for sure, only time's going to tell with Andy Dalton, but definitely look for him this week if you need a streamer. Let's go back to Los Angeles. I want to talk about Tyler Higby, the fourth-year tight end. He's owned in only 0.20% of leagues. So not a lot of Higby fans out there. I get you. But he did have 12 fantasy points in week one, four receptions, 20 yards, and a tud. You got a toddy. You got a toddy. But again, we touched on this earlier. The Rams are playing the Saints this weekend. I think that Tyler Higby has a chance to catch another touchdown, maybe add a couple more receptions, I think he's someone who maybe we can see a tight end eventually in the Rams system 
evolve into a pass catching threat a fantasy relevant player we haven't seen it in two years but maybe this is the year maybe it's not but he's an interesting stash i think if you're going into the weekend and you have a roster spot because if he goes off people are going to pick him up next week and you know that we already have tight injuries at the tight end jordan reed is fighting to get back and we unfortunately hunter henry is down he's going to be out for a couple weeks so there are people out there who need tight ends he could be good trade bait down the road and Let's face it, folks, any chance you can get something in on the Rams offense, we already talked about Malcolm Brown earlier in the show. Anytime you can get part of that Sean McVay offense, I want it. So also another person I touched on earlier, Keyshawn Johnson, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver. He's a six-round pick. He's only owned in 0.9% of leagues, 0.9% owned for Keyshawn Johnson, the rookie there. He was actually the third wide receiver they took in April's draft. Uh, Keen Butler, fourth round pick, he's on IR, second round pick, Andy Isabella, he was on the bench for every single snap on Sunday, and I think he has some type of connection with Kyler Murray. I heard a lot of stuff early in the offseason from some beat reporters down there in Arizona that were saying they really like Johnson. I own him in my dynasty league, I like him, and I think Kyler Murray went to him 10 times, he had 5 receptions for 46 yards. If Murray continues to look for Johnson against Baltimore, a team that he is going to put him under pressure, I think he's going to go to someone like Johnson, showed he could catch the ball, unlike Christian Kirk. So, I think he's a week two waiver ad in redraft and a must own in all dynasty formats. That's it, folks. Thank you for sticking around with us in episode three here. I hope you have a great week two and a great weekend. Slide on into your Monday feeling happy after a fantasy win thanks for joining us you can check me out on twitter at dff underscore seth w and you can find my content here at thepen.org on my social media channel as well as at dynasty football factory thank you very much folks have a great night drive safe Mm -hmm.